The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS. That's code ROSS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. If you'd like to make your NFL games a little more interesting, you've come to the right place. It's the Even Money Podcast with Ross Tucker and Steve Fezzik. Yeah, Vegas, baby, Vegas. It is the Even Money Podcast presented, of course, by DraftKings, and it is a huge week. We've got NFL numbers changing because of free agency and Tom Brady and Russell Wilson and a lot to talk about there. And then, of course, March Madness, which I'm told, I think maybe it was even my co-host Steve that told me this, this the biggest event in terms of sports book handles in the United States, which is amazing. Check us out on social media. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. We are at Ross Tucker Pod, whether it's Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or whatever. The star of this show is Steve Fezzik at Fezzik Sports on Twitter and only at Fezzik Sports and the only two-time winner of the Super Bowl of professional football betting, the Super Contest at the Westgate. And we are joined today by a friend of mine, Lockie Lockerson, a.k.a. His name's Ken Barkley, but he's Lockie Lockerson on Twitter, at Lockie Lockerson, and he co-hosts You Better You Bet, 3 to 7 Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, with my boy Nick Costos, who was on a couple weeks ago. Ken is a numbers guy. Ken loves college hoops, March Madness coming up, so there's a lot to get to there. But I got to ask you guys, actually, before we get into any of that stuff, I just saw this story and texted it to you, Steve. I don't know if you saw this or not, Ken, but this is right up your alley, of course, Steve. The Westgate Superbook is calling for an investigation by the NFL of inside information regarding Tom Brady's unretirement. And it's uh, Westgate Superbook Vice President Jay Cornegay talking about some large bets that were placed on the Bucks to win both the NFC and the Super Bowl on Thursday. I guess there's another book or two that at South Point that experienced something similar. I'm going to give you the old blank canvas, Steve. I'm kind of curious on your opinion on this supposed investigation. Yeah, I don't understand 
why Cornegay is so upset. Um, I let me caveat: I have no law degree, so I'm not well versed in all the rules. But my understanding is that inside information is king when it comes to sports betting. There's nothing wrong with it. That's the whole point. You have sources. You get the information. You bet before the bookies know what's going on. I don't believe there's anything wrong with that as long as you're not like paying somebody directly within an organization for that information. And then I think you may well be violating other rules. So I don't understand why Jay Cornegay is so upset. Let's face it, the vast majority of bets from what what color is the Gatorade going to be to how long the national anthem is, is based upon getting that information from the inside. So here's what I don't understand about it, Steve. I mean, there have been a lot of rumblings. You know, I mean, the Bucks talked about leaving the light on for him. You know, every interview Brady did, he was kind of vague about it. It's not like this came out of nowhere. You know, there's people saying they thought he was going to play for the Niners. That's the part that I'm a little bit confused by. There's a lot of people that seem to think there was a pretty decent chance that Tom Brady was coming back. And that's hey, what I don't really understand about this. And fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice and three times, shame on you. You got a respected better coming in and hitting Tampa 50 to one, take the bet. Well, take it off the board or drastically reduce the odds. Clearly, the if there is inside information, Brady's coming back. And if Brady's coming back, don't move to 30 to one, move to 10 to one. So um, the Westgate didn't adjust enough for the initial bet either. So that's egg on their face. Ken, any thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, it's a really, I guess it's an interesting story in some ways because you don't see this very often. But I think as Steve's saying, in a lot of ways, this is just like everyday business in every market uh, ever, really. Um, I mean, how many times, you know, are you betting an NBA line because you think it's more likely that a star player misses the game than the book does and that it's sort of a halfway number and you think it's going to drop because you think it's, you know, if the guy's questionable, you think he's not going to play or you have information that he's not going to play. How many games in college athletics in the last two years were hit because of COVID hiatus news that didn't end up coming out? Um, until minutes before the game, sometimes as the game is going on, you're finding out the players are not going to play or that there's, you know, incomplete rosters. And these are games that get bet every day in, in every sport. And I get it. It's supposed to be a cat and mouse game between the sports book and the, and the better, obviously uh, sort of a race for information. The sports book will never have as good of an information as the better will. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, as Steve's saying, like evaluate the bets that are coming in and see if there's information that maybe um, you don't have. It seems kind of like much ado about nothing. So I, I kind of agree in that way. And um, you know, how many times just my last point would be there's a subculture here and it works the other way where a lot of times a sports book, especially maybe, you know, not not one that's as prominent uh, as the Westgate will take a bet from a professional better and turn around and bet that everywhere else. And what, like, what do you think they're doing with that? They're they're They think they have access to information. This guy's on this game. He must know something nobody else does, a quarterback injury, a player out, whatever, um, or something unique to that game and angle. And the sports book, by virtue of taking that bet, they kind of know before other sports books do that that's kind of like either the hot side or the, a number that's worth betting that's going to move. And they'll freely go bet that everywhere else and they'll move the board you know all over the place so like if the sports book's going to do that then like why i'm supposed to feel sympathy in this situation i'm supposed to i'm supposed to call i'm supposed to echo their calls for an investigation like welcome to how every single thing works 
um, in sports betting. It's a, a race for information or access to information in a lot of situations. So pursuant to what Ken said, now, now Nevada can't do that. So the Westgate can't go out and right. bet stuff. But he's absolutely right in the offshore. When I was in Coruscant for a short time consulting for Pinnacle, I can tell you uh, arena football, a sharp would come in and bet an arena football game against Pinnacle. And Henry, the head guy, would be, he would say, don't, he said, move the line, but don't move it on the feed you're giving to the odd services. So don't tell anyone you're moving it. We're not going to let anyone else bet this. And in the meantime, open order, we want to get three times as much against every book on that bet that that sharp just made against us. And he would use the information that sharp was giving to Pinnacle to go out and bet that same team for a triple, quadruple, 10 times as much. So... I guess I'm I'm confused. I don't want to spend that much time on this, but Steve, how many most of the bets you make are because you feel like you have some edge or you feel like you have some information or knowledge that isn't necessarily that widely talked about or known about, right? Like I I'm, I'm I thought this was like the whole idea. Yeah, exactly. Inside information. If I can't bet inside information and, and it, it almost becomes Ross, in many ways, I would describe myself as like, you know, the whole Martha Stewart, you know, controversy. And and here there are clear laws against inside trading in the stock market. They're not there in sports betting, but it's almost like I'm Phil Mickelson or I'm the buddy of Phil Mickelson. I'm hearing from someone who's hearing from someone that there's suspensions in the MAC title game and they're only going to be for the first half. And I'm betting on against the team that's having the first half suspensions before it's even announced. And then right as it's announced. That's the game that we play, and that's why the betters are always – the sharpest better is always going to beat the sharpest bookie because unless the sharpest bookie is on top of everything 24-7, scouring the internet, and it's just impossible for them to do. So that's a great example. Stuff like that happens all the time, and they don't come out and say the school needs to be investigating because that information got out or the conference needs to be investigated – this this is that, that's I mean I'm done with it but that's kind of like um, crying sour grapes if you ask me I, I I'm a little surprised by that uh, speaking of surprise I guess I'm not overly surprised that Tom Brady came back I thought it would be later but if you think about it logically he doesn't really have a choice if you want to have a good team like he can't unretire in July but like wait a minute. Where's Jensen? Where's Carlton Davis? Like, uh, I, we're not going to win. I, you know, he, he needed to say he was coming back before all this started so that the Bucks could field a good team around him. Um, what did you do, if anything, Steve, when the news came out? Did you jump on anything or no? No, because I was not home and there's a window of about 90 seconds to get down any sort of bets. And, you know, I love season win bets. And this would be an example where you would have banged Tampa over eight and had, you know, a sure winner, basically. Um, in the futures markets, obviously, the number gets taken down almost immediately. The divisional odds taken down almost immediately. I'm sure there are sharps that got down on it. And I was asleep at the wheel, so um, dock my power rating. I wasn't working when the news broke. Ken? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it was uh, pretty unexpected. It also occurred on Selection Sunday when a lot of us are working on like other stuff. And, and you know, yeah, I know people that ended up betting Tampa in some places, um, you know, the last places to drop, basically stuff like that. Now, you also risk drawing a ton of ire from the the operator of that sports book when you do stuff like that. And, um, you know, there's, uh, again, that cat and mouse game of information versus like when you're betting and, you know, are you betting a stale line that they, they kept up five minutes too long? Like, yeah, they might ban you for doing that. They might restrict you for doing that, um, as punishment basically for taking advantage of, again, information that flooded the market that they weren't expecting. I don't have any additional, uh, I don't have any, any bets on Tampa that are in accounts or anything. I, I think the interesting thing will be, um, the other shoe to drop here is basically uh, Deshaun Watson has narrowed his his two teams that he's he's is attempting to go to wave his no trade clause to are Carolina and New Orleans who are both in Tampa's division. So the interesting there's there's more movement still to come. Now I don't have information on what Deshaun Watson is picking. I think he will choose Carolina over New Orleans. That's just my opinion. But if you're just th- saying like all right. Brady moves the division market to this point where it's, you know, Tampa minus 250, whatever it is. And, and Atlanta, uh, sorry, New Orleans and Carolina, you know, kind of in that five to six range, Atlanta, a super long shot. Um, you know, is that where we're going to be in August or, you know, up, up to week one of the season? It seems like not even close. It seems like actually there's a ton more movement to go because if Deshaun Watson ends up picking one of these two teams, that team becomes a clear second choice. The difference between Tampa and that team narrows significantly. The other team will become priced like Atlanta. So it's actually kind of in a holding pattern here, basically, because there's monster quarterback news that hasn't taken place. Will Watson be suspended? That'll also affect it, too. Um, a ton of news that still will probably have an impact on this market. The Brady news is already like formed this or shaped this completely. So no value left there, obviously. It's just like, what's the next thing to happen? And in this division, we actually have other quarterback news that could end up creating massive, massive market movement. By the way, Deshaun Watson is meeting with the Browns today. Yeah. Which is very interesting because I guess that means that they're one of the teams he's. I guess they're open. For, I guess they're open for he's business. At least to prove them enough yeah. that he's willing to talk to them, which leads me to a question, Steve: Are all of these Deshaun Watson potential teams is it already baked into the price, or should people just be, you know, having this Schefter alert on their phone, and as soon as uh, but here's the thing. Even if Watson comes through and he, let's say he signs with the Panthers or the Saints, they're not going to the Super Bowl. So what do you and season win totals aren't out. So what are you even betting? Betting them bet- to win the division over Brady? Good luck. Yeah, you bet the division and you get value that way. And, you know, goes back to Wall Street. Gecko saying, stop sending me information and start getting me some. All this information, like you said, is is baked in to all the odds that there's a probability that Carolina gets Watson, that's useless. You need to know 100%. And the second Schefter tells you so, you got 30 seconds to 90 seconds to get down. And that's when you need to fire once you have the information. Before we get to March Madness, um, last question on the NFL. Anything else going on like the last couple days when you see how many signings the Jaguars make or – the Bengals being pretty aggressive, or the Chargers getting J.C. Jackson. I'll start with you, Steve. Does it affect you at all? I mean, are any of these – I know you're not a huge futures guy, so are any of these things that have affected you maybe putting down a bet to win a division for the Chargers or somebody or perhaps um, will affect your win totals, but it'll it'll be priced into the win totals by the time they come out. Exactly, but – you know, the ancillary effects on teams that aren't obvious, look at the Jacksonville Jaguars. They were already playing 
uh, nine road games this year. So now you have to go ahead and play a 10th road game because you're playing in London. Guess who the Jaguars have to play in their schedule? Uh-oh, the AFC West. And the AFC West looks darn good to me right now. That's going to be four difficult games. And one of the Jaguars' last place teams they get to play are the Baltimore Ravens. The Ducks are lining up for another miserable year for the Jacksonville Jaguar losers. Ken? Uh, I don't think I, I don't know if I'll go that far in terms of uh, assessing Jacksonville, but I, I mean, those are all valid points. Obviously, if the, if the schedule is bad, the schedule is bad. Um, you can't really do anything about that, obviously. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think in terms of individual player additions and subtractions, uh, I would think about it like a, an NFL game market, right, on a Sunday. Um, who are players that would generally cause a change in win probability in the market where you would see the, the odds move or the price move as a result of those players being declared out, right? It's almost exclusively quarterbacks that would drive obviously massive market movement if they were to miss the game. You know, players like uh, an edge rusher or especially offensive linemen in, in clusters obviously can cause movement as well. So sure, like if a team is just completely, you know, I guess Cincinnati would be a good example if they're completely revamping their offensive line, then maybe there is an upgrade that's worth making there. But in Individual single single players to me won't generally like create a ton of movement. It's usually just coach quarterback combination, team quality. The last couple of years, yeah, you can make some minor like minor tweaks and everything, but I don't think we're talking about anything. You know, if this stuff occurred on a Saturday, players are in or out. Would it cause even a half point of movement? Would it cause even you know a one or two percent movement in terms of the money line? Probably not. Um, so if teams are adding these guys for a season, then then should that really affect something like the win total? I would say no. Did you guys know you can fund your DraftKings account with cash now? Just sign up in the DraftKings Sportsbook app, select Fund with Cash in the payment section, get a digital barcode, then just take your cash and barcode to any one of our thousands of participating stores. Super easy. While you're there, why not pick up some DraftKings gift cards? Don't know what to get your buddy for his birthday? Mother's Day's coming up. You know your grandma wants a DraftKings gift card. So does your wife. So does your mom. DraftKings gift card. Done and done. Just visit DraftKingsGiftCard.com to find a participating store near you. I love this. I love this idea as a gift you can give people. March is here. Get in the game with these two awesome, fun, and easy account funding options. Steve, it's March Madness. NCAA tournament. Uh, it officially starts tonight, but really Thursday. I, I, I don't like these playing games. Whatever. Number one piece of advice, Steve, either something to do or something not to do to the thousands of listeners or people checking us out, youtube.com slash Ross. If you could only give one piece of March Madness advice, what is it? Stop making stupid bets. Needle in the haystack bets. Here comes a week of the fake sports betting experts telling you about all the incredible value there's going to be betting Houston to make the final four betting on Iowa to win it all and how you can just earn off of it. Like it's an investment. No, you can't because the dastardly bookie is taking like 30 to 40% vigorous on these um, long shot um, big underdog type of bets. If you just do a mechanical parlay and you bet Iowa to win first round, roll it over, cash the ticket, bet them to win in the second round, et cetera, you're going to wind up with 40% more money than betting them in these futures markets. There's going to be a reason Jersey and Vegas are going to hold 10% plus on this tournament. 
when a drunk baby randomly making straight bets loses 4.5%. That's a baby that hasn't even done his research, Ross. Uh, the bottom line is don't bet like a Dumbo. Don't make those bets. Don't listen to the media. They are lying to you. They have no idea what they're doing. There's no value. I would, I would love to have a gaming license to book every sharp expert that's telling me to bet these futures bets. They don't have value. Ken, if you had one piece of advice, uh, I'll I'll piggyback on Steve's a little bit, and then I'll I'll give one other one real quick here. So um, I agree with everything that he said. Uh, for people that are, I do think there is generally value in some futures markets in some sports throughout the course of seasons. But what you have to understand is like this is uh, like a a closed system, so to speak. Now, now we know what the bracket is. So therefore we know every single permutation. We know who the opponents are. We know the probabilities that each team is going to play those opponents, which means it's actually like something that can be solved from a pricing standpoint. And it's pretty easy to solve. It's just, it's just a bracket. Like there aren't even really that many permutations that can happen. So like teams to make the sweet 16 teams to win their region teams to win the title. These are all things that have essentially been solved because we know who all the teams are going to be that slot into the bracket three months ago. We would have no idea who the teams would be that would slot into the bracket. And even though, uh, as Steve mentions, like the hold on those markets is, is extreme, there's at least a ton of uncertainty, which could lead to possibly making a valuable bet. When you know exactly the outcomes, NFL playoffs, same thing. Like it's really easy to price these things. That's why they're so. That's why sports books are free to offer them to you. Teams to make the Sweet 16. What do you think that is? It's win probability in their first game plus a certain win probability against each of the second round opponents that's it it's solved it's already done and everyone's going to come up with the same answer and if you disagree just go bet the games like if you disagree that duke's going to be you know x against michigan state and that's what the market implies don't bet duke to make the sweet 16 just bet him against michigan state to win the game if you end up getting there and you'll end up making a little bit more money just to echo steve's point there just to explain like when we know exactly the permutations that's when futures markets are the absolute worst to bet into there's no uncertainty. We know everything. We know who's going to play everybody. And then the second thing real quick would just be, be very cautious of trends that are based on seed number. Um, the tournament selection committee is very unpredictable in terms of how they're going to seed teams. Sometimes it's who makes it uh, at large power conference, mid-major, whatever. So it's like, you know, you might feel like a 12 almost has to be to five, right? Or that 11s, which have covered with a really, really high frequency in the last decade or so, have to cover with a high frequency because they're 11s, like 11s always cover. Okay, well, because of, you know, Richmond winning or, you know, teams that qualified that we weren't expecting, now those 11s were 10s. Like, it just don't, I would not use the seed number as a, a reason to make a bet because 12s do well or 11s do well, I, I would view it on a case-by-case -case basis. Just, just the actual game itself, the matchup between those two teams, handicap that, you know, don't, don't try to handicap like, well, 12s always do well or something as kind of, uh, you know, nebulous as that basically. I agree a hundred percent with that. I mean, the pros I know, we don't even look at the seed numbers in terms of our actual bets. We do look at the seed numbers in terms of brackets because Obviously, if we can get an 11 seed like Michigan that's favored, um, that's a no-brainer to take them to advance more often than not because there will be a certain percentage of the public that just says, oh, I'm going to go ahead and take the 6 seed to beat the 11 seed without paying an enough attention to who's even favored in the game. Steve, how about a do? You, you kind of gave a don't. What bets did you already put in? Is it too late now? What, what would you recommend people do? I would look in terms of the venues for hidden home field advantages. I've had a lot of success doing this. 
It's better to do this early in the cycle because people wind up catching up to those and betting them eventually. But as an example, um, the bookmakers completely forgot that Wright State University is in Dayton, Ohio. So Wright State is home against Bryant in the Wednesday first four game. And Wright State opened up one and a half. And those two teams are close in power ratings. But this is a massive advantage in terms of a home crowd. Everyone is going to be for Wright State in that game. So there's an example. The bookmaker just didn't tack on a partial home field that they need to do so in that game. And, you know, look at a game like Vermont um, playing Arkansas. The game's in Buffalo. That's a long way from Vermont. It's even further from Arkansas. I will tell you, the crowd will turn on Arkansas in this game. Big time. If this game is close, everyone will become a maple syrup fan. All these Connecticut fans are going to be screaming for Vermont. A fundamentally sound team would not surprise me at all with that extra boost if it's close, if Vermont wins that game. You know what's interesting? In my experience from going to NCAA tournament games, everybody always cheers for the underdog, except for the team, you know, the favorite, right? Like everybody else in the venue, like you're a fan of the other team, the other team. They all want the other good team to lose. They're all cheering for the underdog. Especially, you nailed it, the late game. If you're a Connecticut fan and your team has already won, let's get Arkansas out of there, and then we'll take our chances with these uh, this fundamentally sound slow team that we're much more likely to beat in the next round. Ken, do you have a do? Yeah, and I, I would just echo that to say uh, that's not something that we had last year, right? Had a lot of empty arenas, a lot of small crowds. Like, that's a factor that's going to be back this year. It's funny you mentioned Vermont, um, the site of their greatest NCAA tournament win, sort of a, a weird mirror of what we're seeing this time. Uh, they played in Worcester, Massachusetts in uh, in spring of 2004 uh, against Syracuse. It's a really famous call. Gus Johnson, TJ Sorrentine from the parking lot, Worcester, Massachusetts crowd. I had friends that were at that game, grew up in New England. Um, so it's a real thing, obviously. Do you think that crowd was all Vermont fans, or do you think it was everyone who wasn't Syracuse basically who was at that game a lot of neutral fans so yeah for sure if that's a real thing um that's that's possible that can happen um my do would be um I tend to have a lot of success these power conference teams that are just sort of in the middle of their conference they didn't really do anything they won like 19 games um their statistical profile is going to be dressed up by the fact that they have a big name and they played in a big conference big adjustments are made to their statistics to make them look really good um i would those are always the teams that i'm sort of dying to fade so uh the, the middle of the big 10 this year the acc teams that are not duke that made the tournament these are teams where okay like Oh, you look and you say, oh, adjusted defense, 50th. Wow, that's like pretty good. And it's like, well, how many points per 100 did they actually allow? Oh, they're 280th in the country. Oh, that's not very good. Like, why did why did we dress them up and make them look like this? Because they play in a big conference, because they play really good teams all the time. So there's an assumption there that when they stop playing really good teams, when they play in the NCAA tournament, they play a mid-major or whatever, they'll start defending again. Because like, surely they will, right? Of course they will. And they don't. Those teams almost always just revert back to what they did in conference play. If you didn't guard anybody in conference play, probably not guarding anybody in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Um, I'll just be honest, teams in the Big Ten like Michigan, uh, Michigan State, Iowa, Rutgers, Ohio State fit that profile. Miami fits that profile. North Carolina a little bit fits that profile. Marquette fits that profile. These kind of just like, they're good. They're mid-major, they're power conference teams, but they're not those elite teams. Um, tend to be kind of early exits. Can you find situations to play underdogs against them that you like? Obviously, it won't be every matchup, um, but those are a, a sort of a subset, a group of teams that I'm kind of looking to fade in general. Highly, you know, me, yeah, go ahead, Steve. Let me reference that 2004 game because it shows how the world has changed. So from memory, so I'm going to get this a little bit wrong, but I'll directionally be right. 
I believe that Syracuse was laying around 12 in that game against Vermont. Every day of that week, that line dropped half a point and it closed like nine or nine and a half. Um, There's like a three point gradual slow difference. The markets were so slow to adjust. Now we fast forward, it's been 18 years. You put up a number like Colgate catching nine and a half against Wisconsin, blink and it's seven and a half. It disappears immediately. The betters are so much more proactive at going ahead and bombing in and taking the value right off the top instead of waiting in all these um, um, value bets, even if they're underdogs. Make sure you check him out on Twitter. Ken Barkley, fantastic follow, at Lockie Lockerson. Got a great show, You Better You Bet, with Nick Costos, 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern time. Certainly check that out on the BetQL Audio Network. Steve, you know, it's at Fezzik Sports. He's an absolute stud. Next week, we'll talk a little bit more about March Madness and see what other craziness happens. Probably know where Deshaun Watson is by this time next week. So we'll get you ready for the Sweet 16. Talk to Sean Watson and more next week here on the Even Money Podcast. Other than that, good luck, everybody. Hope you guys win some money. Thanks for listening to the Even Money Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, the Fantasy Feast, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. A lot of times on the show, I mentioned DraftKings. Here's what you need to know. You got to be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or in Indiana, 109WITHIT. By the way, if what I was talking about included a deposit bonus, doesn't always, sometimes it does. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough, and deposit bonuses are paid out in site credit. 